0: You are listening to an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.
1: This is Mitch, and you are listening to a Trip Radio artist interview. I am on the line with Marissa and Jarrett of Screaming Females. How are you doing today, Marissa and Jarrett?
0: I'm good,
1: how are you? I'm doing good. Um, so you have a new album. It's called Desire Pathway. I'm wondering, with you know all the experimentation that you do as a band, you know the different influences that you are bringing into your sound. Do you ever find it limiting to play as a three-person band? And, you know, conversely, what are the advantages of uh, playing as a three-person band in keeping things fresh?
0: When we first started playing as a three-piece, we had kind of evolved out of a band that had a, a four-piece band, a band that had a keyboard player in it, and I think initially I was kind of worried about only having three people playing in the band, and I was like, oh no, how, is the, how are we going to fill out the sound? And then as we continue our career as a band, the more and more I consider just how like limitless And endless the options really are when it comes to um kind of like the dynamics that you can entertain with just the three-piece you know i feel like we have like a generally a pretty full sound for a three-piece band and that just came naturally and i'm grateful for that but then i think about kind of like um the opposite end of that spectrum and how um quiet or sparse arrangements can get and i feel like that's something that we have definitely like touched upon before but probably haven't experimented with as much as 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 we could. When I think about just stuff that's just like a a case example, but when I think about stuff like that, I'm just like, wow, you know, we could we could kind of fuss with with this project forever if we really wanted to. I think there's like new things that you could do every day if you really put your mind to it. So yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot more to explore.
1: And it feels like you're exploring a lot of different uh, styles on Desire Pathways. I'm hearing a lot of fun stuff in songs like Morning Dove, a lot of alternative rock elements as well as power pop elements. Ornament reminds me a little bit of the Smithereens, but most impressive is probably the opening track, Brass Bell. You go through just a lot of different phases in that one, and it has kind of like this sort of Odyssey-like post-hardcore structure to it. And that's not something that I've really heard you guys do in that sort of way before
0: i mean the three of us listen to a lot of different types of music we never like go into writing a song thinking that this is going to be like a, a heavier song or this song is going to mirror like such a like so and so that song actually came about because i think Jarrett saw a singer songwriter who was playing solo in philadelphia and she had a song that was in whatever that time signature is what is it it's in four four, but it feels weird. And then, so he actually brought that um, kind of groove in, and then we just kind of riffed off that. And um, I think the first actual band that we cited as like maybe something to bounce ideas off of was the band Carp K A R P from the Pacific Northwest, who are kind of, I guess, a hardcore band, like a hard rock band. I don't even know what you would call Carp. They, I feel like in my mind, they share like the same world that Unwound shares, where they're kind of like playing shows with indie rock bands and course riot girl bands at the time, but they were harder like maybe heavier than their contemporaries. And that's how that happened. Um with that being said, you know, like Carp is a band that we all love. To listen to that is a heavier band but the song itself was actually born out of Jarrett going to see a person play alone at a coffee shop in Philadelphia so the two things really I mean they could be more different but they are quite different. That's that's kind of our MO is like to to do what comes naturally and then like as these things develop yes of course we'll talk about like our influences or what the song might remind us of because when you're working with two other people and you truly are running like having like a democratic creative process where everyone gets to chip in their two cents you're never gonna get exactly what you like might absolutely desire but the whole beauty of being in a band is that you have other people chipping in their their thoughts and opinions so that you come out with something that you never even expected you were capable of.
1: Are there any decisions that were overridden of yours during the process of making this album that you look back on and you're like, oh, I wish I would have fought for that? Or are there things that that happened that you're thinking back on and you're like, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad they challenged me on that, and uh, <laughs> I think turned things turned out for the best.
2: Um. There's no specific answer to that question, but it does make me think of, there was a an EP we put out last fall called Clover that we brought as a tour-only um, CD and cassette, and it's now going to be more widely available, but it's still not on streaming. And the idea there was that these were songs that uh, we had recorded in the same session as Desire Pathway, and they have kind of uh, matching artwork and Desire Pathway, kind of like, uh, invokes like a field of some sort so Clover is kind of like a connection there so they're supposed to be connected but the idea was that uh, we wanted a very tight single LP for Desire Pathway so meant we had to cut some songs um, and that process was tough because we all had different songs that we really thought should be on the on the album so there's definitely some songs uh, that ended up on the EP that I thought should be on the album but ultimately I think the, and this is just speaks to uh, why we're still doing this eighteen years later, which is that ultimately I think Desire Pathway couldn't have been a better sequencing and a better song selection. But the, that that E P uh, go find it, go buy a copy, whatever and you can take a listen and see if you agree if there's anything on there that should have ended up on the records that then I can tell you which member of screwing females you must like.
1: This is a good time to bring out Matt Bayless um you have been working with as a producer for three years and I am curious as to you know the story of how you got connected with uh, Matt Bayless if you don't mind uh rewinding to that point because the three of you had been producing your own records for a long time and I fell in love with those early records like those were <laughs> those were the records that really got me into your band and while I like the Matt Bayless period as well he does bring a different
2: character to the recordings sure so um First album we worked on with Matt was uh, Rose Mountain. And after we had done Ugly and our live record, Live at the Hideout with uh, Steve Albini, we kind of took stock and said, what can we do with this next record that's going to be different than what we've done so far? Something that we had always naturally been against was having a producer. We always thought it was great to have just three of us make the decisions and then just hire somebody to record it, you know, which is essentially what we had done up until that point, uh, even with Albini, you know, So once we come up with that idea and thought about let's challenge ourselves, then we started looking into producers and we're like, man, there's a lot of genre specific producers out there. And we're not incredibly genre specific band, you know? So, in that process, I ended up discovering Matt Bayless's work, which obviously I knew a bunch of already. I listening to his albums and realizing which albums that he had worked on, I was like, I kind of really like the way this guy's able to deliver on a bunch of different sounds. And coincidentally, he had learned and worked a lot with Brendan O'Brien, who was like one of my favorite producers and engineers from uh, the 90s. So, it actually made sense that he was from a lineage that I already really enjoyed. He had come from punk, which which is something that's really important to us because it just gives you a similar grounding in like vocabulary and things. Um, And then he was able, you know, he's worked with everything from Pearl Jam to, to Botch. So uh, we felt really confident in his ability to deliver sonically. So yeah, that's, that's basically the story of working with Matt. And after doing the first record with him, we decided it'd be nice to go back and work with him. And then for the new one, We kind of went to him and said, uh, what's something we could do to make this different? And we're like, have you ever had a studio that you've ever, like a studio you haven't recorded at, that you really do want to record at? And he mentioned Pachyderm, which is where a bunch of records were recorded. It's in the woods in Minnesota. Nirvana infamously recorded in utero there. And he said he'd always wanted to go to Pachyderm. So he said, let's do it.
1: I want to turn to your relationship with Don Giovanni Records, and I want to ask you, like, what it's been like being with that label for so long, and what it is about their ethics and values that are congruent with your own, and continue to uh, make you want to work with them.
2: Yeah, so we've been working with Don Giovanni since uh, 2009. Um, as far as like the ethics goes, I think that there's a shrinking world of the world that we like grew out of and that we consider ourselves a part of, which is like very independent and DIY focused. And people take that as some, often as some sort of like moral crusade, which there's definitely some aspect of that in it but primarily it comes down to like, there's just not that much money in music. I mean, obviously there's people out there who make extravagant amounts of money, but if you want to be an artist and like continue as an artist to be able to to invest as much time as you really feel like you should in your art, it's really hard to to make enough money to continue doing that. So it comes down to, you just got to do a lot of it yourself and you got to do it with people that you trust. And so a lot of our, our ethics around being independent is it does help to keep the path open for other people. I mean, there's literally been tours. We work with booking agents on and off, but there's been times um, over the last few years where I booked a bunch of the shows myself. And there was a time when I feel like that wouldn't have been as unusual as it is now. And so when I, I'm saying all this to say that Don Giovanni comes from that same world and understands us when we talk about that stuff and operates in a similar way. And there just really isn't a lot left out there that's operating on that level.
1: That old school sort of indie ethos.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just I'm not I'm not trying to take down any other artists out there who make different choices. You got to make your own choice but I know for us like if we had gotten a manager before we had ever toured out, out of town I we would not be around now you know like that money that gets sucked up from having a manager is real when you're only making a couple hundred bucks a night we've learned all these things along the way and uh, we continue to do most of them ourselves Oh, well, Jared Marissa this has been really fun um, I'm so glad that we were able to connect today
1: and talk for the Chirp Radio Artist Interview Series again Screaming Females has a new album out called Desire Pathway it is out on Don Giovanni Records and they will be coming through Chicago playing the Cobra Lounge on Wednesday, April 19th. Thanks again for your time today, Jared and Marissa.
0: Thank you for having us. This has been an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find this and more interviews at chirpradio.org slash
2: podcasts.